630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. NBA Finals. Well, it could end tonight. Phoenix taking on Milwaukee and the Blue Jays and Red Sox postponed. Rained out in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We are going to jump straight to the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed professional grade building materials. And I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, a former Edmonton Oil King and now a member of the Boston Bruins in the National Hockey League. It is Curtis Lazar. Curtis, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing very well. It is awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for doing this. Uh, you and I have been doing this well for a while now. <laughs> you're, you're always uh, you're always usually on in the off season, and sometimes we wrangle during the year. So uh, I always appreciate that you're willing to come on this show and talk to the fans uh, who still follow you, I, I think. I think you're someone fans connected with while you were here and, and they followed your career. Do you ever get any interaction or, or people, uh, even as you travel around the NHL, saying, hey, I watched you as an Oil King or, or talk about your time here in Edmonton? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, this past season was a little tough, obviously, with, uh, you know, just playing within our division. But I, I love coming back to Edmonton. I love playing the Oilers, uh, like you said, that familiar it's great um and uh yeah Edmonton would always be a very uh, cool swimmer. all right well you had an interesting season so uh a, a lot of things happen on and off the ice I, I think I'll start with with the on ice stuff you were with the Buffalo Sabres uh you played 33 games for the Sabres this season and uh well it wasn't going well for Buffalo um you know tell me about just kind of going through that long winless drought you know there were some COVID issues Ralph Kruger uh who I think is is someone a lot of people respect but it didn't work out for him he was fired as head coach I what was it like just dealing with that that storm throughout most of the season yeah I I mean you, you listed off quite a few things and it's kind of like where where do you start um I, I honestly, from beginning my time to the end there in Buffalo, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, you talked that length of losing streak. I think we lost 18 in a row or something, and 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 it was tough. I mean, you know, you're fighting hard. You're out there playing each and every game, uh, trying to rate the ship, I guess you can say. And uh, it's such a great group of guys. Um, you know, they're they're friends. That's uh, you know, they mean a lot to you. And when things aren't going well, it's tough. And unfortunately, you know, someone's it's going to fall on someone's shoulders. That happened to be Ralph at the time. And like you said, I mean, he's such so well respected, such a good guy. And you know, even when I got moved uh, along to Boston, I, I still you know kept in touch with him a little bit here and there and and whatnot. But uh, I mean, COVID as a whole that hit us as a team. Uh, it just uh, everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong in Buffalo. But uh, they turned around as of late there, and uh, it's good to see Donnie Granato get the get the job is you know he's a very stand-up guy and he's going to do great with that young core and uh again i i did enjoy my time in buffalo so you know coaches getting fired is unfortunately part of pro sports uh how did you find out uh i mean who, who when when that happens how do the players find out in, in this case okay or else no longer going to be your coach what's the process well uh, i mean the hard part for us and it was kind of like taking time off, right? But he was getting on them, and you kind of turn and block that external noise, but you know, it's still there. And I, I think we had a day off, and as I mean, a lot of us players.
But even though it is, it's just on social media. You post up there, you see it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. So that's uh, like, well, and it was a tough day. I mean, you, you feel like you let uh, your coach down. Um, and it's a tough one, everyone, because, like, yes, I mean, you are family, you are battling there and, and playing together, regardless if you're on the ice or behind the bench. But uh, he's a great guy. I'm, I'm sure he's, uh, you know, doing well back in Switzerland. And uh, I, again, it's uh, he taught me a lot about my career. So I owe a lot to him. Yeah, for sure. Curtis Lazar joining us tonight on Inside Sports, uh, talking a little bit about the uh, the tough times with the Buffalo Sabres this year. But, uh, man, the, the news for you extends further than that. Uh, kind of, uh, I guess, early to mid-April was pretty busy in your life. Uh, can you introduce everybody to Owen Lazar, first of all? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, throughout the, everything going on in uh, in Buffalo, my, my wife and I traveled uh, went into the world on, uh, I guess, April 4th. Um, and everyone knows, like, I think it was April 11th is the deadline, so that was shortly after how the other ball dropped. But, uh, you know, what, what a whirlwind. Uh, again, my wife and I, we plan on having the kid back here in Cologne and then with the whole quarantine rules and stuff. She actually flew down to Buffalo 35 weeks pregnant. Uh, she was an absolute trooper this season because, uh, you know, we had the kid in Buffalo. Uh, you know, he was born a week later. We get that phone call. We're going off to Boston. So you pack everything up and uh, you make that trip to New City. So I owe a lot to, uh, to my wife. But, I mean, being a dad's great. Uh, it's the best thing in the world. And uh, some stories when I get older about how you can walk into this world for sure. And I believe uh, I believe you got to be there, or were you traveling for the birth? I, I was there, actually. Uh, I, I was hurt at the time and uh, was able to be there, but uh, I, I wasn't going to miss that for the world. Uh, I had some great di- dialogue with uh, Kevin Adams, and just in the world and the state that I was in, uh, you know, there's some hurdles that, you know, had to be jumped over and, and whatnot, but uh, our safety being the first and foremost. But uh, they backed me and they supported me every step of the way, which uh, it means a lot to me. Okay, so and then and then you touched on it, the the trade deadline. So you have a, a newborn that's about a week old, <laughs> and, then, and then you find out. Okay, so I'll, I ask you how you found out your coach was fired. Uh, how did you find about, out about the trade to, to Boston? Well, yeah, it's it's funny because uh, you know we had Taylor Hall there in Buffalo, and he was sitting out the past couple games just uh, as precaution, and there was rumors of a move happening. And so again, I was sitting on the coach with Owen on my lap, and. Uh, like like I said before, I mean, I was hurt at the time, just had a newborn. I was like, there's not a chance in the world I'm getting moved. And that just, uh, you know, shows how the world is. And 11 p.m., uh, my phone rang, and it was Kevin Adams and wished me all the best. And I actually, uh, you know, had no idea that it was, uh, you know, Taylor Hall was a part of the trade or anything like that. You just said you're going to Boston, you know, get ready to leave at about noon the next day. So my wife and I, we, we packed up uh, everything that night, but uh Again, that phone call kind of caught us off guard, but that's uh, that's the life we live. But uh, we couldn't be happier to be in uh, in Boston with such a great uh, city and organization. Okay, I just want to circle back to that. He didn't tell you you were involved in the biggest trade of the deadline. He just told you you were traded. He didn't tell you what else was involved. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's all I got from Kevin Adams. Just so that I was traded to Boston, that they wanted me to uh, solidify their fourth line and and make a run for it this season. Uh, and it wasn't until Don Sweeney called me and told me that my friend and uh, you know teammate Taylor Hall was coming with me. So uh, at that moment, they would kind of reach out to him, and I I don't even know if he knew that it was. Uh, you know, processed or, you know, official or what, but uh, having him there and it was great to going into a new locker room. It's always good having a friendly face with you. 
Okay. So you go to Boston. Look, they've been one of the best franchises over about the last, uh, you know, 12 to 15 years. They, they won a cup, couple of more appearances in the final. They're always up there in the regular season. They're, they're usually a threat to go deep in the playoffs. You know, certainly they got, uh, you know, Marchand, who's, who's a great player. I don't always like some of his antics, quite frankly, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a great player. And uh, Bergeron's considered perhaps the best all-around player in the game and several other skilled guys who've been together a while and who have succeeded together. What's it like going into that room and finding your role on that team? It's, uh, you know, it, it happened pretty fast, that's for sure. Um and like you said, just you touched on, I mean, you got uh, Patrice Bergeron the best two-way center in the game, and that's someone that I, you know, watch a lot of video on and his tendencies and whatnot. Uh, Marshawn, like you said, is he's a little bit crazy on the ice, but one of the nicest guys off. I mean, he's got his teammates back through anything. Thick and thin, he's there for you, one of the greatest guys ever. And uh, But uh, I even told, uh, you know, Halsey this was when we stepped on the ice for our first pregame skate. I said, you know, just the mood was different. Uh, you know, there's a team that was on a mission, uh, and, and they weren't going to be denied. And we went on a nice run there right after the deadline. And uh, we really knew that uh, we had a special group, and it was unfortunate that we came up short. But uh, being a part of the Bruins, the rich history, like you touched on, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. And, and to be playing meaningful hockey games again, getting to the playoffs, I mean, that's what every player wants. And I, I definitely uh, enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to next season. Yeah, well, certainly I think Boston's going to be a good team again. And I, I know you touched on that they wanted you in a role, but uh, I, I got to see you play quite a few playoff games. And, and quite frankly, Curtis, uh, like I thought you played great. Like you looked confident. Uh, you looked like you were clicking with your line mates. And uh, it just seemed like it, it just it just and, and I know look I, I know you wished you would have gone farther obviously as a team and you had a bit of an injury at the end but it just seemed like it it really clicked for you there yeah of course and uh again it's my my career but the trajectory hasn't always been you know straight line or I guess what you want to see in a player in his development but uh you know I've I've fought for every step of the way and uh, Buffalo was a great place for me to kind of rediscover my game and then that's what I always said about the the trade to, to Boston is when you have a contending team that uh, you know is in the hunt each and every year want you as a part of a deal and, and has a specific role for you. That's pretty cool, and uh, I just kind of took that confidence and uh, you know and ran with it. And I still don't want to just be pegged as that fourth line guy. I want to be able to move up and down the lineup and uh, you know kind of tap into that offensive side a bit more. And and I I see that uh, it's really happening next year. So had some great uh, you know exit meetings with the team and and whatnot. But uh, like I said. Uh, I'm under contract for another year, so I can't wait to get to Boston and, uh, and get after it again because we do have some unfinished business. What was it like for you playing in empty buildings or buildings? I'm just double-checking the attendance here. I don't think Buffalo ever played in a game that had more than 5,000 fans, so about a quarter full at the most. What was that experience like for you as a player? You know, it, it was tough, um, especially for a guy like myself. I mean, I, I pride myself on that energy, you know, going out there and playing physical, getting the fans into it. Uh, so they, they were dearly missed, and I think you could see that throughout, uh, you know, the entire season. And But then, you know, when playoffs happen and the teams that were able to get fans as, as we were in Boston, what uh, what they do with the atmosphere, and it, it just makes the game so much more enjoyable. That's All in all, I mean, for us to get this season done with and all the way, it's, it was an accomplishment because COVID, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, affected everyone. And the fact that we still were at this level, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. 
I got to ask you about the team that knocked you guys out, the New York Islanders. Um, and look, you and I have had a pretty uh, honest relationship going back to your day with the Oil Kings. So if you're mad at me, you're mad at me. When I did my picks on Stoffer's show, I actually picked the Islanders to beat Boston. Uh, but, uh, and look, I, I know it was close. Um, but man, oh man, I just watched the Islanders. There's a deep team and they just keep coming at you. What were they like to play against? No, that, that's exactly it. I mean, everyone buys in. Uh, you know, some nights their their fourth line was their most effective line just because they play the right way. Uh, I thought Barry Trotz an outstanding job of uh, you know maneuvering, making adjustments, and and whatnot. And it was a true. Match cause, you know, we we made our adjustments. And it's a game of bounces, a game of inches. Uh, you know, bounce here, bounce there. I mean, we definitely could have had a, a shot at uh, Tampa in the next series, but uh, you know, they, I think they played more consistently. And you know, we talk about having the fans back in the building and playing that old Coliseum uh, and having their fans there definitely, you know, helped them out uh, quite a bit because that was a, a very hostile environment. But uh, it was fun to play with and. You know, to be in this as the first time in my career, uh, again, you just keep on getting further and further. The games get more and more exciting and fun. So, uh, again, you, you learn from it and uh, you, you want Curtis Lazar checking in on Inside Sports. Okay, one one more quick final topic here for you, Curtis, and thanks again for hopping on the show. Uh, draft story for you. Uh, draft's coming up Friday and Saturday. You were a first-round pick in your draft year 2013. You went 17th overall to the uh, Ottawa Senators. The draft was held in the uh, the Devils Arena that year. What was that week like for you? Just give everybody a sense of what it's, you know, now you're looking back, uh, what, eight years after the fact. How do you remember that that, that week and the and the feeling and then getting picked? Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, now it's thinking back on it. It's, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, like the whole thing, agency, you know, or New Jersey, so we all stayed, uh, you know, in Times Square in New York. But uh, I had such a fight from Toronto to New York, uh, and and weather delayed us. I want to say close to April, and you know, this early week, I'm certain that my place, he was already out there. But uh, you know, you get this, you get those last minute interviews in, and uh, it's pretty cool. But the one moment that I mean, everyone. Sees is you walk up on that stage and Gary Bettman shakes your hand and says, "Welcome to the NHL." That's it's pretty cool. You get a chance to sweater. I'm right on. And it's a moment you'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. Well, Curtis, thanks for doing this. You you probably have some father duties to uh, hop onto here. <laughs> so thanks for <laughs> thanks for doing Inside Sports. Uh, you know, I, I love that uh, you, you still are willing to join me here once or twice a year, and the, and we've been able to keep in touch ever since you were an Oil King. That that means a lot to me. And all the best with the Bruins. Thank you very much. At any time, we'll talk soon. That is Curtis Lajar checking in tonight from the Boston Bruins and, of course, a former Edmonton Oil Kings, some draft memories. And, yeah, what a season. I, I mean, he's with Buffalo, and they, they can't win anything. The, well, first of all, like early February, they got uh, six games wind up postponed to uh, COVID, and then they go from February 25th to March 31st without winning a game. Uh, three of them they lost in overtime or a shootout. The rest all in regulation time. Uh, uh, at the start of that, they were 6-8-2, and two, and then they were 6-23-5 and five 
18 games without a win. And then they finally beat uh, Philadelphia on March 31st. And then April uh, 11th, he winds up getting traded to the Boston Bruins. Uh, good guy. Good to see him doing well with the Bruins. And awesome to have Curtis Lazar on the show. We'll call a timeout inside sports on Chet. having a great night i certainly am just had curtis lazar on the show catching up with the former oil king what a season for him tough time in buffalo fatherhood traded to boston goes into the second round missed the last game of the second round with an injury he's fine now as the islanders eliminated the bruins we heard from sam cosentino breaking down some storylines for the upcoming nhl draft brian wild from global montreal told you that he does not think seattle will claim carrie price tomorrow in the expansion draft, he just thinks Price uh, eats up too much of their salary cap for them to uh, take the goaltender at this point in his career. We will, of course, keep you updated on the expansion draft tomorrow during Inside Sports. Draft coverage on 6.30, Chad, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Friday. That is round one. They're going to start making the picks uh, just after 6 Mountain Time, so Stoffer and I will have a bit of a pre-draft show for you. That should be fun. Maybe I'll just ask Bob Draft Trivia the entire time. And then 10 to noon on Saturday, we will be on to let you know what's going on with rounds two through seven. Hey, I want to remind you, you can go to 630ched.com and look for the vote for the Edmonton Elks all-time all-stars. You can also, while you're doing this, enter for a chance to win a pair of Elks season's tickets. And then next week here on Inside Sports, we're going to unveil the top vote getters in each category. We'll discuss. We'll have some of them on. Who knows? Maybe even we'll get Halsey on. It'll be a lot of fun. So 630Ched.com. Vote for the Edmonton Elks all-time all-stars presented by 630Ched and Global News Hour at 6. Speaking of an all-star, Oilers play-by-play voice. Cam Moon. I think he's in Sylvan Lake. You'll find out why next. Blue Jays rained out tonight in Buffalo. They were supposed to be taking on the Boston Red Sox. Blue Jays will soon be returning to Rogers Center. NBA Finals tonight. Milwaukee trying to win it. They're up three games to two in the series. And in the final minute of the first quarter, they lead game six, 25-16. Bucks trying to win the second title in their franchise history. They won it in their third year in the league back in 1971. They beat the 
team that was then known as the Baltimore Bullets. That is now the Washington Wizards, four games to nothing in the NBA Finals. A uh, young man by the name of Lou Alcindor was the MVP of the NBA this season. He would also be the Finals MVP, and then he would change his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and win the MVP again the next season, and then again in 1974. And then, of course, he would uh, eventually become a Los Angeles Laker and win a lot there as well. So, uh, yeah, the Bucks came into the league in 1968-69, missed the playoffs, went to the division finals in 1970, and uh, won it all in 1971. They did go back to the NBA finals in 1974, lost in seven games to the Boston Celtics. They had a big gap, 92-98. to Seven years in a row, they missed the playoffs. Uh, pretty good team lately, and they're trying to win it all tonight at home. We'll keep you updated. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oh, my goodness. We got Cam Moon on the phone. Mooner, what is going on? I am hanging out at a ball game. I love it. I yes. love it. Okay, so tell us where you are, what, what's okay. happening, what you see, all that fun stuff. Okay, I am at my first time of uh, checking out the new stadium in Sylvan Lake, the Sylvan Lake Gulls, who are playing in the Western Canada Baseball League. They're playing against one of the Okotoks Dogs teams here. They got uh, Dogs have two teams this summer. Uh, the league is, is gone in, in a bit of a, a smaller format. Not all the teams are playing. I believe there's just five. And it's all Canadian players this summer, no American players. But I wanted to check out the, the stadium and uh, it's it's absolutely jammed. Uh, the crowds, I guess, have been unbelievable, so that's great to see. They've done a great job with this. It's not completely done. Uh, the suites aren't quite finished yet, but uh, the concourse is. And, uh, yeah, it's they don't have the scoreboard up yet, so you have to have the PA announcer keep everybody abreast of uh, outs and what have you. But, yeah, it's uh, they've done a great job with it. It's a good look. It's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of people here. Well, that's good. That's uh, that's good to hear. And, and obviously that league has, because it's just the Alberta teams playing, right? And Okotoks yeah. put in a couple other teams. Yeah, Okotoks has two teams. Uh, I know Lethbridge is in, uh, the Edmonton Prospects, uh, Sylvan Lake Gulls, and that might be it. I don't think Medicine Hat went this year, and Fort McMurray did not, and the Saskatchewan teams did not. So I would expect it to be back to normal next summer. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's good to see that at least these teams are playing. And with COVID hitting when it did, it was a real tough situation for the people here in Sylvan Lake because they they were well they were well underway of getting things ready and getting the the stadium set, and and then COVID hit. So you you know last year was of course what it was last year. Nothing happened, but at least they got the league going. Uh, the stadium is you know in the South, I guess it would be southwest corner of the town of Sylvan Lake. They've got, it's not just the baseball stadium, though. They've got uh, four slow-pitch diamonds here. I know that they're going to build a football and soccer uh, uh, facility as well. That hasn't been built yet, so it's still a work in progress. But uh, really nice to see, a great night to come out and watch some baseball, even though it's not sunny and blazing hot. It's not freezing cold. It's not raining, so that's all good. And, yeah, uh, it's been... uh, I, I like what they've done here. They've done some good work. It's really nice to see. All right. Well, and I'm glad to hear you uh, are as enthusiastic as uh, as you always are. Vic texting into the show. 
Sylvan Lake yeah. Gulls game tickets are the hottest tickets around. Virtually impossible to get. Lucky Cam. So there. Now you have some strings you can pull though with the Gulls, do you not? Well, yeah, but I didn't. I I bought them online. <laughs> I but I had to buy them like six right. I had to buy them multiple days in advance because if you don't. They're not there. Like they're 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 filling this place. So Vic's right. I did not pull any strings. So I, uh, okay. I bought tickets just like normal. Yes. Uh, all right, good man. Well, thanks for checking. I'm glad you got to go to a game there. I know you. Well, you love all sports, but I think baseball is probably a little bit higher up uh, on your list if you if you had to make a choice. So I'm glad it's you're there. Way, hey, yeah. we had Curtis Lazar on the show in the last half hour. Boston Bruin. What a crazy year. Buffalo was terrible. He had a kid. He got traded. Gets a regular role with the uh, Bruins. We we flashed back to his uh, draft story as well. I mean, he was an awesome oil king when he was here. Yeah. Oh my, Curtis Lazar. I remember. I, I remember when the oil kings brought him up at the end of his 15 year old year, and and you could just see like, oh boy, this guy's going to be a handful. And he absolutely was uh, from an opposition point of view. I thought Lazar was outstanding oil king, a big part of a lot of successful teams, of course. Uh, yeah, and he, I, I did get to meet him in Red Deer uh, the year that the Top Prospects game, was it Top Prospects? It might have been. Top Prospects, or it might have been one of those all-star games. Anyway, uh, Curtis was there, got to meet him, real uh, personable young man, absolutely uh, a great kid to interview, big smile on his face, and just, you know, he's so happy all the time. I, I loved his attitude, and yeah, he was outstanding for the Oil Kings for sure. Yeah, I used to call him the smiling assassin because yeah. he was, you know, always friendly, even all, always friendly off the ice uh, and usually smiling on the ice. But uh, he he would grind you to dust the first minute yeah. he had the chance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, just a great young man. Uh, and I, anytime he, he has success in the National Hockey League, this makes me feel good because, uh, you know, nice to see good things happen to good people. All right. So, expansion draft tomorrow, Mooner. Uh, I had yeah. Brian Wild on the show from Global Montreal. We always enjoy talking to him. I said, what does your gut tell you? Does Seattle take Carey Price? He said no, simply because uh, he worked it out. 13% of their salary cap would go to the goaltender, and what if he's not entirely healthy or gets old fast. Uh, I, I still think that's an interesting storyline lingering, though, going into tomorrow's expansion draft. Uh, what's up there for you? Yeah, it, it definitely is an interesting interesting storyline, and and I agree with Brian. I don't I don't think they'll take them because of the reasons you just outlined. Um, there's a, like, you look at those lists, or, or I should say the list of, of eligible players. A lot of really good players available. And uh, the Kraken are, are going to be incredibly busy figuring out, you know, dollars coming in and all of that and, and which players to take. They'll have a pretty good club. I, I don't know if they'll be Las Vegas first year good, but they're still going to be pretty good team. You know, definitely a lot better than uh, it used to be many years ago when, when you got to protect a lot more players. But, yeah, I mean, and I'll be really interested to see who they take from the Oilers. I, my guess is Tyler Benson, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, well, you see, and my guess is Jujar Kara. I, th- I think it's okay. one of those two guys. Um, yeah. I was saying earlier in the show, a couple people have asked me about Clefbaum. I, I, I don't think so. A couple people have asked about Kyle Turris. 
they keep, see, I, I realize Turris doesn't make a lot, but they're not taking a 31-year-old who had five points last year. So uh, I, I don't see any of that. But uh, I, I do think, I, I, if it's not Kara, I do think it'll be Benson. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Okay, the, the draft. Uh, and, I mean, look, you worked extensively in the WHL, so you know what some of these kids are going through and how they're scouted and all that kind of stuff. You were a goaltender, a very high-level goaltender in your day. And you went to some Oil Kings games this year when you could. They didn't play a ton of them. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and sometimes you were working while they were playing, but I know you, you went to a few. Sebastian Cosa, what do, what do you see in this goaltender? And, and we're, we're kind of wondering, is he going to be there when the Oilers pick? Well, here's what I see. I, I got to see the Oil Kings, I want to say, seven times, seven or eight times this year. And, and I would have seen Cosa play probably six or seven times the year before. So of those seven games, I want to say he played six. So I've probably seen the young man play anywhere from 13 to 15 times. And what I see here is, is a, a poised, athletic, polished goaltender. And of the likes of which, over the years covering the WHL, I haven't seen many that have looked this good at this age. There's a lot that have turned out to be NHL goaltenders, but when they were in junior, they still looked like junior goaltenders. In other words, there was a lot of development to be done. A lot of that development has been done already with Sebastian Costa. So I see a young man that will play as a 19 with the Oil Kings. I think he'll play with Canada at the World Juniors next year. Oil Kings will have a very good team, so they should have a good playoff run. At 20, he'll play in the American League, and I would think at 21, he's looking at a National Hockey League job. Uh, If he was available when the Oilers picked uh, and the Oilers took him, I think it would be a wonderful choice. But I have talked to multiple NHL scouts, amateur scouts, and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them think he'll be gone before the Oilers pick. So his stock has done nothing but rise during the course of the year. Granted, Oil Kings were playing only against Alberta teams, three of which I thought were in rebuilding-type mode. So the competition wasn't as good as normal. But anyway... You can only play against who you can play against. And Sebastian Kosha was wonderful. I'd love for him to be an Edmonton Oiler if he's around when their selection comes up. But somehow, I don't think he'll be there. Yeah, I'm wondering that too. I know in Craig Button's mock draft earlier today, he did have the Oilers taking Kosa at 19. And it could depend too when uh, Jesper Wallstedt, the other goalie who's supposed to go, it could depend where he goes. If somebody picks him high and there's some other team hoping to get a goaltender, then Kosa's off the board probably pretty quick after Wallstedt. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, if you're if you're a team that, that thinks that a, a goaltender is, is what you need in that first round and and the other guy goes, yeah, you're going to take him. Like, that's, that's how it goes. And, and really all it takes is one team picking ahead of Edmonton that really likes him to, uh, to have him go. So I, I think that's going to be – I think it's going to be tough for him to still be there at 19. I hope he is because I, I think he's going to be a good NHL goaltender uh, when he gets to that – when he graduates to that level, which I think will be sooner than later. Uh, he's, a, he's a big kid, moves well. Uh, he's uh, solid with his rebounds. He can play the puck, the athleticism, the ability to read the game. Like He checks all the boxes when it comes to that. And, and the way he plays. He plays 
he's playing a win. He plays hard. You can tell. Like, he does not want to have a puck go past him. And those are all good qualities, great qualities to have for, for a goaltender. And he's got all of them. And yeah, I hope he's there, but I don't think he will be. All right. And I know you got to get back to the baseball game. Any Western Hockey League guys uh, you're watching? Uh, as the far draft? as the, the, the draft, well, obviously Dylan Gunther. I, I haven't watched him the last couple of seasons. I I just he's such a special player and he's got that great shot, especially on the power play, that one timer. Uh when he plays on his opposite wing is, is something to be reckoned for sure. So yeah, certainly uh we'll be keeping my eye on, on him and and where he goes. But uh, I'll be watching for all the WHL guys for sure because that that has always been uh, near and dear to my heart seeing how the guys do from the Western League. All right. Mooner, or what, what's the score in the game? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, it was zip zip, but uh, there's no scoreboard, so I haven't. I, because I've been on the on the phone, I haven't actually heard, so I don't I, know. It was zero zero last I checked. As usual, I'm distracting you. I do that well. I'll let you get back to the action, buddy. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Reed. That's Mooner checking in live from Sylvan Lake for some uh, Western Canadian Baseball League action. And we're talking some hockey uh, as well. Always love having Mooner on the show. It is 747. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Edmonton Elks continue to work through training camp back outdoors today after using the field house because of all the smoke for a couple of sessions. Jamie Elizondo, head coach of the team, says, yeah, part of practice, uh, part of this process is you got to monitor the air quality. Yeah, they've been great. Uh, Brian and his staff, you know, they're uh, getting into a groove and getting comfortable, getting to know the players and getting to know us. They've been they've been awesome. Um, they've been good with uh, treating their guys, and that goes for our strength conditioning coach too, Heinrich Thomas. He's doing a fantastic job uh, of of keeping that balance, you know, between bringing guys back and being aggressive and bringing them back, but monitoring injuries as well. So they're working together well. A little bit there from uh, Jamie Elizondo, head coach of the Edmonton Elks. For me, an interesting player to watch with the team this year is defensive lineman Matthew Betts. Remember, he was uh, he was drafted third overall in 2019, and he did play in the 2019 season. He got into a game on September 9th. Uh, first game, he made a sack, forced a fumble against Hamilton, had another sack against Ottawa the following week. He played six games overall, had... Uh, just one defensive tackle, but two sacks and a forced fumble uh, as as a rookie. And uh, obviously a, a Canadian player out of Laval, won the Vanier Cup a couple times, 2016 and 2018. And th- this could be all Canadian defensive ends for the Elks with Kwaku Boateng on one end and Matthew Betts on the other end. And he was talking about that being a starter alongside Boateng. Obviously, Kwaku has been here for a while. Uh, talking about being here for a while, we got Sean Lemon here, who has uh, almost 10 years of experience in the CFL. So, I mean, just try to learn from these guys. Uh, I think a bunch of guys can just jump into rotation at defensive end. I mean, uh, either it's Andrew or, or Thomas out there who did great. It's their first year in the CFL. So, we're, we pride ourselves in being a good D line, but also having a great group of defensive linemen. And I think we're, uh, that's just the, the work we want to put through this season.
All right, that is Matthew Betts from the Edmonton Elks. And don't forget, go to 630ched.com. Vote in the poll for the franchise's all-time All-Stars. And while you're there, you can enter your chance, enter for a chance to win Elks season's tickets. We're going to unveil the uh, winners at each position next week, throughout the week, right here on Inside Sports. Jordan texting in 780-496-0063. says, do you think there's any way for the Oilers to trade James Neal? Save for Duchesne and Nashville retains half the salary. Jordan, I, I think at some point James Neal is going to be bought out. That, that's what I, I think is going to happen there. We'll see what happens, I, I suppose, in the expansion draft tomorrow. Well, I don't think Neal is going to get claimed, but I, the Oilers will find out who he gets claimed. Uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think the most likely scenario for James Neal is that he gets bought out. But we will see how that goes. We'll see how the expansion draft goes tomorrow. We'll uh, we'll let you know what's going on throughout Inside Sports in the evening. And, of course, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now tomorrow from noon to 2. Uh, we are scheduled tomorrow. Looking forward to this uh, interview. Speaking of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Dylan Gunther scheduled tomorrow night. The uh, Oil Kings star who could go as high as third. Uh, it could go as low as, who knows, 10th. Kind of unpredictable after the top two. But it'll be good to talk to Dylan Gunther as he gets set to get drafted into the National Hockey League. All right, they're playing music. That means they want me to shut up. Tonight, you heard from Cam Moon, Curtis Lazar, Sam Cosentino, and Brian Wild. Thanks to all of you for participating in the show, whether it was as a listener or as a texture. I guess no one called tonight, but that's okay. Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator and animal wrangler. I'll be with you from 6 to 8 tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.